not about the brand. It's about the fit. It's not about what decal you're going to put on your back window of your car. It's about you finding that this college is for you. Yes, that's much more difficult now because you can't go to a campus and have an overnight. In some cases, you can't even go to a campus and talk to people. You can just skirt around there. But kids now have so many more options than they did 25 years ago to find out about colleges without spending a lot of time there. Welcome to Tilt Parenting, a podcast featuring interviews and conversations aimed at inspiring, informing, and supporting parents raising differently wired kids. I'm your host, Debbie Reber. Today's episode is all about college admissions during the COVID-19 pandemic. Fall is typically college application season for high school seniors, but the world is just a little upside down right now. And if you are the parent of a high schooler, you and your student likely have many questions about what this all means. To talk us through the uncertainty and especially how it impacts differently wired students, I've invited author, journalist, and admissions expert David Marcus to the podcast. David has been on all sides of this game as a journalist observing admissions offices, as an anxious parent himself, and as an educational consultant to kids across the country. He's also the author of Acceptance, a legendary guidance counselor helps seven kids find the right colleges and find themselves. Throughout this pandemic, David has been following how colleges are responding and what changes are taking place in the admissions process. So in our conversation, David shares what high school students can be doing right now, what's always most important in considering post-high school plans, pandemic or not, and how it's not all doom and gloom, why a system turned on its head might just be a good thing for differently wired kids. All right, and now here is my conversation with David. Hello, David. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Debbie. This is such a timely conversation that we're having Because we are going to be talking about college admissions and what that all looks like in this crazy landscape that we're in. But before we get into all of that, you know, I've already read your formal bio. Could you take just a few minutes and tell us a little bit more about who you are kind of in the world and the lens through which we're going to be having this conversation? Sure. I'll give you the summary that I give to parents because otherwise I would wander on too long. I am an education consultant. I have, I help kids get into college. Kids from all abilities, all backgrounds, not just the type A 4.2 students. And I, this emerged because for many years I was a journalist writing about education in Florida, in Texas, in New York, and elsewhere, and also at the controversial US News Magazine, which does rankings. And then I wrote a book called Acceptance. It's a book about an amazing counselor at a public school helping a huge variety of kids get into colleges, but more important, find out who they are and what their dreams are, where they want to go and what they want to be. And that's kind of my philosophy. I work with just a few students a year and I do some pro bono work too. And I try to just help students in eighth, ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th grade, figure out what's best for them. Do they want to go to college at all? Should it be a two-year college, a four-year college and and why? So in terms of right now in this moment of time, you know, I think we're living through such a change in education. Everything's having to be reimagined. 
what does education look like? How can kids really thrive? And especially within the differently wired community, we've been pushing for expanded parameters of what an education looks like for many years. And I feel like this is an opportunity for us. And so I'm wondering within the college process, what is your big thinking around COVID and college? And should we be reimagining what all of this looks like right now? This pandemic is completely upending higher education. And the changes are profound. We don't even know what all of them will be. It's it's making us rethink how kids apply to college. It's making us rethink whether they go to college right after high school. It's making us rethink a lot of things for differently wired kids too about how to let them challenge themselves and show off their their great assets, their great personalities, their great intellects in high school. It's really wonderful in some ways because it's it's unshackling kids from standardized tests that have been really difficult for differently wired kids. But it's also really scary, too, because we don't know if kids can go to school for four years and stay on campuses for four years. So I can unpack that a lot, but I just want to tell you that it's it's a phenomenal change and some good and some very, very, very frightening. Yeah, I would love if we could go deeper into all of that. I mean, there's so many pieces right now, so many unknowns. Let's even start with testing and not COVID testing, but testing to get into colleges. I know that right now, as you and I are recording this, it, it is the end of October. SATs were last week and they're rescheduling more for January. And a lot of people are like, do these even matter anymore? Colleges are changing what they require. So let's talk about the landscape of what what matters anymore in terms of testing and that application process. Sure. And let me actually step back for a second because I should explain this. I have worked with kids, as I said, from all kinds of backgrounds and all kinds of interests as they apply to college and grad school. But I have a, a different kind of expertise, which is that I have kids of my own. And one of them was just not a good test taker, has maybe dyslexia, dysgraphia, some ADHD, a wonderful, amazing kid. But the college application process, high school itself was really difficult. Uh, he went to college and he just decided it wasn't for him. And he and he took a break and he's working and, and thriving. And so as much as I, I, you know, I went to an Ivy League school, I taught at another Ivy League college. I love all that stuff. I'm very cognizant. I'm very understanding that this whole crazy type A route is not for everybody and especially in a pandemic. Now, on the other hand, I have a daughter who is thriving in Boston at Northeastern University. She's just dazzling. I think she's doing great work academically from what I see. And she's done internships and she's just on fire. And both these kids are as different as they are, are doing their thing. So I always feel like I should clarify that. And I never say that, but I'm saying to your viewers, because I've heard your podcast and I, and I want your listeners, I want them to know that I'm, I'm not coming from some sort of elite, you know, you can only, you have to go to one of the top 30 window decal schools in America. So that said, let's talk for a second about differently wired kids. This is really an advantage to differently wired kids because hundreds of colleges are not going to require the ACT and SAT in the next year. You can't just, in a lot of schools, you can't, a lot of your high schools, you can't take them. You can't safely take them. And so that's changed things and that opens up all kinds of paths. Also, 
many, many, many colleges I've talked to around this country are are admitting a lot more students than they normally would from sort of, you know, let's say B students, because all of a sudden all these international kids who who flock to American colleges are not coming either. They don't, their parents don't want them here because this country is so mangled and mismanaged a pandemic problem, or they're worried about transportation. They're worried about getting kicked out of class. They're worried about having to pay a lot of money and then zoom. So for kids who are wired differently, there's a huge opening as tragic as the situation is nationwide. What it means is that there are going to be a lot more colleges. They're going to look seriously at kids who normally in, in, you know, a year or two ago, just wouldn't have attracted attention at admissions offices. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, I've been reading about the international students not coming and how that's hurting colleges financially, but I didn't think about the fact that that's creating more room. Well, think about it. I mean, it could be 20, 30, 35% of students aren't showing up or they're not applying. That leaves a huge gap to open. And not to mention that the number, uh, there's a demographic shift. So there are fewer college-age students in this country now than there there have been in the last few years. That's not really a big deal, but it's a factor. So I think it's it's a chance for students who had some issues in high school to really set their sights high, but also to set their high sights reasonably and think, do I want to go to college next year if I'm a 12th grader now, if I'm a senior now? Maybe I should take a gap year and let this this horrible COVID-19 situation settle down. And I think that's something that parents that I meet with are not talking about and should talk about. Yeah, I will just say that having a, a high schooler, you know, in the, the bedroom next door to my office right now, you know, in 10th grade, but just the idea of talking about college right now is not, it's just not on the radar because I know that he and many of his peers just feel like they're losing a year of their life, you know? And so the thought of skipping over this when maybe they want to have this year of high school feel or get that back, like the thought of skipping over that is really unattractive. And so I've had that conversation like, hey, there is no timeline here. There's no expectation that you have to go to schools, you know, the year after you can take a gap year. And so we have had those conversations, but let's talk a little bit about that gap year? Like what are you seeing in the families you consult with and how might that really benefit, especially differently wired kids in this time? Good. Well, let's talk about that. I, for years, I've been an advocate of gap years and nobody, very few parents want to hear about it. And my own daughter, who I, I thought it would be fascinating for her to travel or work or do something differently after high school a few years ago. I understand that she wanted to sort of keep up with her peers. She didn't want to take a year off and then hear everybody's graduating or having a great time or whatever and, and do that. But now I'm finding parents a little bit more amenable to talking about it. Of course, like everything else in life, gap years have gotten complicated. Just a year ago, I talked to some kids about the fact that they could work, they could study, they could take Khan Academy classes for free. They could be waiters in restaurants. They could... There's all kinds of things that, that are incredibly important ways to grow up. Um, a gap year to me, just to, I want to make that clear, is not sitting on your parents' couch and, and eating Reese's pizzas. It's not just kind of goofing off and, and being on a screen all day playing games. But a gap year is a chance to grow intellectually, to give back, to do something important. Many countries 
have you do military service or public service or not go to college right away? And that's something that, you know, unfortunately, the United States is almost being pushed into by the pandemic. But it is a good thing to think about. And so there are still it's much more difficult to even volunteer, do things. But I've heard about kids who are tutoring on Zoom, you know, kids who are little children who, who need who are stuck at home and maybe have Wi-Fi problems and don't have parental resources, don't have money. And some high school kids or some gappers are doing that this year. They're volunteering in political campaigns, even though that means wearing a mask, even though that means sometimes doing it by Zoom. There are, for creative, driven, interesting kid, there are still alternatives to, to do. There are things to do in a gap year. And what it means is you grow up more. And there are studies that show that gappers, kids who wait a year or so to go to college, have a much better completion rate in four years when they do get to college. And that's especially, especially important for the kind of kids we're talking about, who frankly, because of the way their the brain is, they could benefit from a year or so extra of growing up, of maturing, of challenging themselves. And also from breaking from the rigor and the structure of high school classes and just having a chance to explore and think. One of the best things you can do in a gap year is do an apprenticeship or do an internship or shadow somebody, again, in a normal gap year and say, hey, you know what? I don't like, I thought I wanted to be an architect. I thought I wanted to be uh, a pediatrician. I don't really like that. It's not what I want to do. That's a great thing to know what you don't want to do as Mm -hmm. well as what you do want to do. I'm wondering what advice you give to parents who are open to this idea of a gap year. And we also know that so many kids are, their motivation is really in the toilet right now because you know, so many kids, especially differently wired kids who are deep thinkers are having existential crises. And it's really hard to feel excited about the future. So is there a way that you work with families or with these teens to help them utilize that time or make a plan where they they aren't sitting on their parents' couch, but rather, you know, they can at least make some progression towards their goals? Yeah, I don't want to be the Pollyanna of admissions. It's a really, really difficult question. And I, I've heard some of your podcasts with, with Dr. Sharon Celine and other people talking about ADHD and so forth. And I keep thinking, what what happens to these kids after a year, a year and a half of being of, of not being able to have normal lives to sort of get into classes and 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 push themselves and try some clubs and try some extracurricular, try the things that from high in high school they're are often more rewarding to them than standard classes, actually. So I, I don't want to make light of it. And what I what I think is that we as parents have to be even more understanding. We have to ask questions and not judge and not listen and not lecture. And so we have to say, you know, this is 10th grade, 11th grade. This is these are, I think, important and often wonderful years of your life. What do you want to do? What what could we find that is rewarding for you, that pushes you, that challenges you, that engages you, that gets you off a screen? Those are really difficult conversations to have. I can tell you that I have seen a bunch of kids since March just volunteering with them who are just, they're just dismayed. They're they're so um, stuck and so sad and, and so unmotivated. But the best thing I think we can do is is figure out how often in this situation, what can you do to give back to others, to help others, to get out of your skin and out of your life? 
And there are things on Zoom and more and more kids are, are finding, as I say, ways to tutor other children on Zoom or to get clubs going on Zoom or to get seniors going or to drop off food banks, packages. I don't want to be naive about it. You have to, these kids have to keep, take care of their own mental health and their own things too. But part of it is to be out and involved and engaged virtually or in real life with a mask on. So I, I think it's a time that we as parents with aunts and uncles and pods and, 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 and friends and neighbors can help each other's kids. And it really does take a village. But I have seen some kids who were not great students. Oddly enough, they found that they didn't like being in school every day. And so in a hybrid situation or studying from home, strangely, they've actually kind of found independent studies to do. They've, they've, um, they're taking, as I said, they're supplementing their classes with free classes on Khan Academy. They're not made to sit in a classroom for 42 minutes and then another classroom for 42 minutes. And so they're actually kind of finding themselves in a, in a weird way. Yeah. I mean, I've certainly heard that. I've gotten that feedback that there are many differently wired kids who are actually thriving with remote learning because there were so many factors in a regular school environment that were dysregulating to them. And so that is that is an upside for some families. We'll be right back after this quick break. This year, I've been working on becoming more attuned to my body, and so I'm starting to really recognize how periodic spikes in anxiety or disruptions to my routines can seriously throw my whole system off. And as I've been traveling a ton this past month, which is both disruptive and somewhat stressful, I'm especially glad that I have the extra support of Symbiotic Plus, a three-in-one supplement from Ritual with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. Symbiotic Plus provides fuel to the cells that make up the gut lining to support a healthy gut barrier. And it comes in this very cool minty delayed release capsule, which was specifically designed to help survive the harsh conditions of the upper GI tract for delivery to the colon. The bonus is that the capsules don't need to be refrigerated, so I can easily bring them with me in my carry-on. On a personal level, I love that Ritual is committed to sustainability. They're a female-founded B Corp, meaning they are holding themselves accountable long-term to not only think about their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for limited time at ritual.com slash tilt. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash tilt for 25% off. Hey there, it's Debbie. I love making this show and sharing conversations about how to support our awesome neurodivergent kids. I've seen how even one little insight from an interview can spark a big shift in daily life. But I know that raising complex kids can be messy and lonely. And just when we think we figured it out, something comes up that boots us right back to feeling overwhelmed and stuck. That's why I've poured everything into creating a way for parents like us navigating complex parenting journeys to join together and chart a path that feels positive, hopeful, and doable. It's the brand new Differently Wired Club experience. In the club, you'll get personal support from me and other seasoned parent coaches, six live calls every month where you can connect and get your personal questions answered, the opportunity to learn directly from authors and experts like I have on this show, 
monthly themes for getting specific and tactical, an exclusive private podcast feed, and the best, most generous community of parents. Seriously, these folks show up for themselves and each other, and that right there is really everything. Because it's a daily reminder that we're not alone. Our kids aren't broken, and we have totally got this. The recently rebooted Differently Wired Club is on a brand new platform with its very own iOS and Android app. It is such a great space. However you learn, whatever your style, no matter the ages, genders, and neurodivergent profile of your children, the Differently Wired Club can help you cultivate the positive shifts you're hoping for. Join us today by going to tiltparenting.com slash club. That's tiltparenting.com slash club. I hope to see you on the inside. I'm wondering in terms of other things that parents can be focused on. I, I was just talking with a friend a few weeks ago whose school is completely remote. I think their daughter is a senior and these kids are really stressed out because they know this is a time when typically they would be engaged in a lot of things to put on their high school resume and to beef up their application. And the advice they got was, you know, take a knitting class on YouTube or, you know, find ways to do that from home. This particular student has a a relative who lives in Costa Rica and made a plan for herself to go learn Spanish and stay with this aunt for a while. And I was like, that's a a good person to have in Costa Rica. But I'm just wondering what other advice do you have, you know, volunteer tutoring over Zoom, like any other ways that students who are in the junior, senior year and looking for opportunities to make their applications look stronger? Well, I want to talk about that first part of it, which is I work with a lot of kids in the sub. I've worked over the years with kids in the suburbs of New York, DC, and LA, and San Fran, and, and Boston. And so much of that in the past has been sort of resume padding or, or thinking what would impress colleges and, and kind of playing the game of it. Um, certainly some kids did some realistic, wonderful projects who I know, but a lot of high school for, you know, for kids in middle-class, upper-middle-class families is is sort of playing the game of getting into college. And so we can forget about that now. And I, I tell kids to think like entrepreneurs. An entrepreneur thinks, what's a need and how can I fill it? The need is not, I want to get into Yale. I want to get into Wesley and I want to get to Caltech. The need is people are stuck at home. They're scared. So I've advised kids to think about finding a senior center or just an older relative or an older neighbor and reading to reading a newspaper to him or her every day, every afternoon for half an hour. Again, on by Zoom, I should say. And then there are libraries and genealogical societies and all kinds of places that want kids to do research. There, there are communities that need smart 17-year-olds to design websites with information. You know, where do you vote? How do you get a mask? What do you do if there's a if there's a storm? All those kinds of things. It it means using your wiles and using your context and using your resources and figuring out what can I do? This this country is in a crisis, and the older folks got us in this situation. I won't go into my political views, but younger ones are going to have to help dig us out of it so they can start at 14, 15, 16, 17 years old. And I just think, again, what is a need? Is there a senior citizen, near, senior area near me? Is there some, or do I have a grandparent who just has a great story to tell? And I could, I could listen to my grandmother talking about the 30s and 40s and then transcribe it and then, and then turn it into something or great grandma, um, that's, that's an essay that, or that would live in my local library. This is a time to be incredibly innovative and creative, and it's possible. It's difficult, but it's possible. 
And I'm wondering, do you have any insight into what is happening on the other side of this? So within college admissions, like how are they navigating this process? Have their values changed? I mean, their priorities changed in terms of the way they're viewing applicants? Oh boy. Well, I, I just was on this parents group for Northeastern University in Boston where my daughter goes, I said, and the viciousness of parents of 12th graders and of college first year students toward the admissions offices, toward the administrations is really tough. I mean, the, I don't envy, you know, colleges are not, are, are so labor intensive and so people intensive, the good ones. And so it's not like a place where you can, you, can, you know, if you can't get some, you can't get a sh- the shoes at your local store, you can get them online. That's fine. There is something about that in-person experience. Colleges are hurting all over the country. I think dozens of colleges are going to go under in the next couple of years because of the pandemic. Now they were struggling anyway, or they were having financial problems anyway, or they were sort of in the crosshairs anyway, but it's going to be tragic for them. And so one of the things you have to think about when you're applying is, is this college going to be viable and sustainable in, in two or three or four years? But I have to hand it to the admissions people and the, and the faculty. A lot of them have older faculty and professor. They have staff who clean rooms and stuff. They cannot endanger those people. And so they're in an impossible situation. What it means is they are more looking at broader and, and wider swaths of students because, as I said, they're not getting international students because a lot of students are deferring after admissions. Um, they have dorms to fill. They have classrooms to fill. In the cases where they have first-year, second-year students or some combination of all students, but they were not prepared for this. You know, none of us was, but but colleges, especially where kids go off and they want to be social and you can't blame them. That's You don't go to college to sit in your room and get temperature checks and, and COVID tests all the time, but college is really wrestling with this. So as much as it pains me to say, I've told people who have a first-year student, who have a, who have a sophomore in college, who have a high school senior, forget about it. Just do anything possible. Defer and do do whatever you can that's productive and interesting and challenges your brain and helps people and just wait a year or two and, and see what happens in this country. Will there be a vaccine? Will things settle down? Because I understand that young people in general stay healthy through this COVID time, but you can't count on that and you can't endanger your lo- your relatives and other people around you. And as I said, the people who clean the colleges and who have the sort of the, the, the first responder or the important jobs that nobody talks about. So that's that's my way of saying the colleges are in a very difficult position. Everybody kind of wants to dump on them and blame them. I, I've had parents who complain to me that colleges aren't giving tours on the campuses. They can't. They they can't. There's so many problems. If somebody gets sick, giving that tour or somebody gets sick, having taken that tour, there are legal implications for them. I, it breaks my heart as well as moral implications. Wow. It is just such a complicated time, isn't it? I mean, my heart just goes out for those students who are who feel like their lives are on hold and who kind of want to launch in that way. And it's just not available. Yeah. I'm so glad it could be uplifting to your audience. Yeah. Way to bring <laughs> us down. No. I mean, I, I also hear that there are opportunities here. And what I like about this is that Again, for differently wired kids, I believe, you know, so many of them, their timelines are are different and many of them could benefit from a little extra time to mature, to work on executive function, independence and all of those things. Because we know statistically that a lot of differently wired kids end up dropping out before the first year, before the end of oh, freshman year. Goodness. 
I can't tell you how many parents I've heard from in normal times, that is pre-COVID times, a kid goes to school and gets into you know his or her dream school or a school that, that anyway that seems good and the supports turn out they're not really there or the kid doesn't want to take advantage of them or they're embarrassed and after the midterms trouble starts or by by the holidays trouble starts so this is a time for us to rethink all that you're so right and now I'm going to contradict myself because here I tell you that I I help kids get into college but I. First of all, gap year is something very important, but I think not everybody needs to go to a four-year college. And and this horrible time we're living in might make us rethink that it might be a little bit less pressure. It might be sort of more socially acceptable to get certified in coding or get uh, not to get a degree, but get a specialty in something in six months or a year or two to go to community college instead of the four-year college that your sibling went to. So, you know, I, I, I want to look at the bright side, which is increasingly different difficult as i look at the covid statistics in this country but the bright side is that we have not reimagined education in this in this country and i'm talking about the again the middle and upper middle class often um but also for poorer kids we have not dignified them and said maybe we should a, a gap year of working of, of of getting money of getting um maturity is a great thing for everybody and so I think we should we we face that we have this opportunity now to really rethink post-secondary education. Yeah, I mean, one of my biggest tenets is this idea that we need to question everything that we thought we knew about parenting. Certainly, when we discover our child is atypical, but that includes, you know, we may just go into this assuming our kid is going to college. That's what we do in our family if that is something, or maybe it's an aspirational, like my child is going to be the first in this family to go to college. So we may just push ahead with that belief without ever stopping and thinking, wait a minute, does this make sense? Is this is the right thing for my child. And, and especially now, yeah, I do think it is, it's a huge opportunity to just start getting curious about what else might be true. Right. Now I'll say a couple of things that, that work for this kind of kid though, if they do go to college, which, which is what I'm seeing now. So Let's say you're differently wired and you just you're not good at sitting uh, in, a, in a seat hour after hour. You're not good at studying in the library, toiling in the library till two in the morning and producing a long paper or doing a long lab report. Because of COVID, the, the hybrid situation in a college, if you're let's let's assume the kid's safe. I'm not going to go into, you know, the safety of masks and, and, and not partying and all that stuff. Let's assume the kid is safe in, in, in a campus somewhere. This means a. There are a lot of students and a lot of people and a lot of high school teachers and others who have time, who want money, who want to help or help volunteer or make money. They can be really wonderful tutors and guides and mentors. There are there are professors who have fewer students in their class than normal that professors and their grad assistants can really help a student. Again, it might be, you know, from 10 feet away or it might be on Zoom. There are fewer you know, big fraternity events and football things and stuff that some our, our kids sometimes kind of get lost in. And it's a little bit more individualistic right now, which is sad, but that's how it is. So that the kid who's not good at kind of balancing, going to football games and going to parties and going to things, they actually have a little bit more time, uh, a fewer distractions and more time to, to focus on, on studying and, and self-improvement, things like that, you know, getting just getting their study habits up. And then I often recommend in normal times for parents uh, of these kids that they get an executive functioning coach or someone like that um, off 
the grounds of college or someone in the, in the support team on the college to really help the kid. And again, I found that that a lot of these kids don't really want to meet face to face. Well, that's a, that's very zoomable right now, FaceTime or whatever it may be. So the kids who do go to school, who in the past maybe were just a little bit overwhelmed by the sort of the thrum and the hubbub of it all, this could actually help them in a strange way because it's just there are fewer kids on campus, fewer distractions. We'll be right back after this quick break. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask-Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Yeah, my GPA at the end of my freshman year of college would have been much, much different had I been going to school in a pandemic because grades and schoolwork were at the bottom of my list of priorities for sure. Yeah, and I, I dreamed of getting to a certain college. I won't mention. I never mentioned it. New Haven, Connecticut. And my, I was not a good test taker. And my lack of good test taking probably was the reason that was impossible for me. And so now you have kids who are smart and they're interesting, but they're they're just not cookie cutter kids. The tests are off the table most of the time. They're almost every college in America realizes that if you can't go safely to take an ACT or SAT. They can't demand it from you or the AP test. So I'll, I'll mention one other thing, which is that makes the holistic admissions process, that makes other things more important if you're not looking testing, taking rigorous classes, whatever you can see that's reasonable for you and doing well at them, getting to know your high school teachers, maybe on Zoom because you can't do it in person, but doing some, having some extra questions for them, going to their office hours um, again by Zoom. And then when you apply to college, doing an essay that's really, really interesting and really genuine and really you, the essays in some colleges are going to take on more um, importance because you don't have a full activity sheet. You don't, you can't be the kicker for your 
football team. You can't be starting a club and having 15 kids join it. So those are things to think about too strategically. Again, it's not playing the game, but it's just being realistic about what you can do and what you can't do and how you can be your best self in a really naughty time. I want to just ask briefly how students can best identify the colleges that would be a good fit for for who they are. Because I think, you know, many of us have this idea or kids might think, I really want to go to X, Y, and Z school, but it's not actually, not that it's not realistic, but it's not actually a good match for, for who they are as learners. So how do they suss that out? Right. Well, you and I'll, I'll mention my book, Acceptance, because Acceptance is about this wonderful counselor. And his whole thing is, even though he's in the suburbs of New York with a lot of pressure, his whole thing is it's not about the brand. It's about the fit. It's not about what decal you're going to put on your back window of your car. It's about you finding that this college is for you. Yes, that's much more difficult now because you can't go to a campus and have an overnight. In some cases, you can't even go to a campus and talk to people. You can just skirt around there. But kids now have so many more options than they did 25 years ago to find out about colleges without spending a lot of time there. And the playing field has been leveled, I should say. It used to be just a couple of years ago, a year ago, that wealthy people would take private planes to visit colleges in, in some extreme cases, or they do a grand tour all over the country. And if you didn't have that parents who could take off time, didn't have money for hotels and the, and the visits, you know, you really were a disadvantage. We're all in that situation right now. So I urge kids to go visit some campuses near them or where that they can get to, even though there might not be a lot of students there, just to get a feel. Do you want a suburban camps? Do you want a big camps? Do you want a small camps? Do you want an urban campus? You're not going to get the whole experience. I, I understand that. But visit some schools, not even worrying about the name of the school, but just to get a sense of, of it. Do you want to be close to, close to home or far away from home? Does the pandemic change any of that? And then, yes, you can't talk to admissions people on, on campuses. You can't do a tour on most campuses right now. But there are videos, and of course, there are sales pieces, but they'll give you an idea of the place. But more important, through social media, through all those platforms, students can reach out to somebody they knew a couple of years ago from school, from camp, from working, from something, and say, hey, how do you like it at Brandeis? Or what is it? what is your feeling about Wash U? Or do you think I'd be happy um, in Santa Barbara going to college there? And you as parents can also ask anybody you know from synagogues and churches and all kinds of things. It's, we have to be much more networked and, and asking people. You can, the colleges, a lot of the colleges have a place where you can ask kids online questions about things. Now, the kids who volunteer tend to be really rah-rah kids. A lot of times they'll be honest. You can say, tell me what you don't like about it. Or I'm really shy. How do you think I'd fit in at Michigan State? And through those ways, the kids are communicating anyway. Um, you can find an inordinate amount of information and, and some reality checks. No, it's not the same as staying on campus for 24 hours, but that's just not going to be possible for a while. So it's really important to suss out to get a sense of the fit. And it can be done, but it's, it's just much trickier and much more subtle than the visit. But it's also much more open to everybody, no matter their income or their parents' ability to get away from work. Yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, as we're talking, yeah, there's there is a bit of doom and gloom here, but I feel like there are also lots of really interesting benefits for our kids in particular if we kind of reframe this whole conversation. So, for parents who are listening to this who've got kids in high school and this is 
a conversation that they are having with their partner or friends and, and are feeling stress around the whole college process for their child. What's one... I mean, you shared so many great <laughs> insights, but one thing you just hope they take from this to keep in mind as they navigate this journey. Well, I think in, in regular non-pandemic times, there's a feeling that you know we can really decide as students or as parents, you know, where our kids going to go and where our kids can get into and how our kids going to do. And amid this tragic situation we live in, we're learning that they're just parts of our lives that are out of control. And you don't know if your kid's going to go to high school um, next month, day after day, or one day a week, or three days a week. And you don't know if the college that your kid is really interested in is going to be, you know, having classes a year from now, so or two years from now. So it's out of our hands. So I think the best thing we can do is encourage our kids to be their real selves in, in high school and not to sort of uh, groom themselves for what they think an admissions person would do, which some kids do, frankly, some parents do, and to have genuine conversations with their parents, not always talking about college, because that's a bad thing, but do I want to go right now? Is there some, are there some courses I can take on Saturdays or at nights, uh, distance learning at Columbia, at Stanford, some free courses or some credit courses, just to see what I like about college, doing it from a screen. And can I really think about, you know, this, not the craziness of, you know, I'm going to join the key club because it looks good on my resume, but who am I and what do I want to be? And, and how can I, in these terrible times, be innovative and, and help other people and, and do things? So I think the reality is we, we're sort of tamping down our expectations and, and that might be ultimately a really positive thing for parents and for kids. Hmm. So good. Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been really informative and it gives us some things to think about and just take a deep breath right now. So I really appreciate that. And I would love if you could just share, you know, you, you talked about your book, Acceptance. Let parents know where else they can connect with you. Sure, I'll do that. And the easiest way is my website, marcuscoach.com. Marcus is my last name, M-A-R-C-U-S, marcuscoach.com. That's the best way. I do a little bit of social media, but I, I really... I, I have a day job and I just do this for fun, you know, a little bit, this coaching kids, helping pro bono and, and then taking a couple of paid kids a year. But Marcus coaches it. My book is Acceptance. And I should mention to you, Debbie, the first book I wrote was really from my heart. And it's called What It Takes to Pull Me Through. What It Takes to Pull Me Through. It's a, it's a book about struggling teenagers who get sent away from home. And they were an amazing, amazing teacher. And they just kind of figure out who they are and what they're all about. And they, many of them went on to really thrive afterwards, but maybe, you know, doing the sort of the high school game, the high school playing high school wasn't really their thing. And they, they're creative and fun and interesting and different. Um, and so I watched them and then that informed me when I wrote acceptance, which is about, you know, wide range of kids working with the counselor to get into school. But I didn't get to any of my important points yet. We, I forgot them all. So I hope, I hope this helped because sometime I'll come and give you my, my top 10 pointers for kids that we're talking about um, sort of pointing their way, getting their way through high school and, and, and going to college and succeeding college or whatever they do. But again, I, I think, I, I think this is a time, a time for us to think that those kids and their creativity and their kind of personal skills or whatever they bring to the table, we don't have to groom them and pretend that they're something they're not and just let them be who they are because we're in a pandemic and that's how life is. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And 
Listeners, as always, I will include links on the show notes to David's website and to both of his books. And I will now I really want to go read the your book, What It Takes to Pull Me Through. But thank you so much. And yeah, we'll have to do a, a follow-up conversation because I think there's a lot more to be said on this topic. But I really appreciate everything you shared today. I love it. I really enjoy your podcast. Thank you so much, Debbie. You've been listening to the Tilt Parenting Podcast. For the show notes for this episode, visit tiltparenting.com slash podcast and search for this conversation. If you like what you heard on today's episode, I would be grateful if you could take a minute to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or a review. Thank you so much for helping us stay visible so people who would benefit from the show can easily find it. If you want to support the show and help me cover the cost of production, please consider joining my Patreon campaign. To support the show, just visit patreon.com slash Tilt Parenting. Lastly, if you aren't already part of the online community at Tilt, I invite you to sign up at tiltparenting.com on the box in the bottom where it says join the revolution. Every Thursday, I send out a short email with a quick note from me, a link to that week's podcast episode, and links to five stories from the news that week that are relevant to parents like us. Again, you can sign up and learn more about Tilt at www.tiltparenting.com. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.